Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. This is the show where we dig deeper to understand what matters most in business. My name is Dave Bookbinder. I'm a managing director at B. Riley Financial, and I'm also the author of the new ROI, Return on Individuals. Today, we're going to be having a great conversation around getting your message out clearly and effectively. And I'm pleased to welcome Paul Fariga, who's the president at WordWrite and author of Finding Your Capital S Story. Paul, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Thank you, Dave. Great to be here with you today and with your audience. Yeah, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about who you are and what you do, Paul? That's great. Well, you know, I've been at storytelling for the better part of four decades, two decades in journalism, and then another two decades in the agency business, and for most of those years, running my own agency. Probably wrote 10,000 stories, edited another 10,000 while I was in journalism. What that taught me about was how to share a great story. You're with people in the best and worst of times. That infuses everything that we do at our firm, WordWrite. It's what led me to write the book. Because, you know, Dave, in business, the best stories, the, the stories that explain the character and nature of a company are not often the stories that are being shared. And that's our mission, to do that. Yeah. And, and when you talk about a story, you know, there's storytelling. And then in your book, you call it the capital S story. So what's the yeah. distinction here? What's the capital S story, Paul? Great question, Dave. There's a lot of stories that are shared in business. So as business leaders, uh, the folks in the audience, we tell stories all day long. We share stories. It might be to get a new employee acclimated. It might be with a prospect. Those are small S stories. They come and they go. In the age of social media, stories that we see in our feed might be gone in five minutes and we forget them. The capital S story stands above all the rest because it answers these fundamental questions. Why somebody should buy from you, work for you, invest in you, or partner with you? And the answers to those questions define the character and nature of your organization. It's how people are going to remember you. And if you're in the business of attracting talent or attracting customers, clients, that's what they need to know about you. Well, I think it's fair to say everybody watching and listening, myself included, is in the business of attracting uh, talent and customers. So uh, let's yes. continue, shall we, Paul? Uh, yeah. In, in the book, you say that our brains are hardwired to, to want stories. Um, yes. What's the science behind storytelling? Why does it work? So most people know what a functional magnetic resonance imaging machine is. It's long tubes with magnets in them that can really take a deep look at our brain. In the last 20 years or so, Dave, we've been able to use those machines, um, scientists have, and university research to understand how narrative is processed in our brains. And what they've discovered is that quite literally it's baked into our biology. The reason why Human beings love stories, whether in pop culture, a book, or in business, is because that's how our brains make sense of information. Real quickly, one example I didn't have in the book, you know, our age is filled with digital clutter, Dave. And recently, in the last five years, there was a university study done where the researchers figured, well, we're going to take that creative side of the brain. That's not really important to processing information. We'll put electrodes on on that side of the brain as a control, and we'll see how information is processed on the logical side of the brain. And what their research discovered was that, okay, the logical sides of our brains did process the information, but it sent it over to the narrative side of the brain to make sense of it. 
because that's how our brains work. Yes. How do we break through that digital clutter? Like you said, there's there's a lot of uh, media, social media. We're, we're being inundated constantly with content, uh, thought leadership, white papers, you name it. Yes. Yes. How, how do we so break? How do we break through with our own story? Another aspect of our brains being hardwired for stories, Dave, and this comes our, our work, you know, technically we're in the, the marketing and PR industry, right? But a lot of our work is drawn from psychology, psychiatry, sociology, biology. Carl Jung, the famous uh, psychoanalyst, uh, discovered this concept he called the collective unconscious. During World War I, he was practicing in Switzerland, which was a neutral country. He saw people in a diaspora from all over Europe lay down on his couch. He discovered they were all telling the same stories, having the same dreams, having the same nightmares. Led him to develop this concept called the collective unconscious. In other words, human beings, no matter where they live, what language they speak, we tell each other the same basic stories. They're called archetypal stories. David and Goliath would be an example. You don't need to be a biblical scholar to know it's the underdog story. So in business, what we're looking to do, and one of the things we do at our firm, is we identify the archetypal story, and there are literally thousands of them, Dave, that describes your business. And then we marry that with the specifics of your organization to create a unique narrative so that you're remembered, remembered by talent, remembered by prospects, so that you cut through that digital clutter. Yeah, and, and who's delivering that story uh, to to the ultimate buyers, Paul? I mean, I, I can understand you're going to craft a story around, we'll call it the business or the enterprise, but right. a, as the employees are out in the market and they're dealing with potential clients and so forth, how are they able to then articulate that same story? How do you get the consistency across everyone who's delivering it? Because presumably they're all going to have to deliver a, a, the same message, right? Absolutely. And and that is really a great question. One of the challenges that we see so often, Dave, is, and, and this is natural, if you're the founder or the CEO, or you're in the C-suite, you would naturally assume that you're the best messenger to share the story. To your point, though, that may not always be the case. Let's take a healthcare company, or maybe a technology company. Maybe you need a really great CEO at the technology company, or at the hospital, but when audiences want to engage with either one of those organizations, maybe at the hospital, they want to hear from a doctor sharing the story. And at the technology company, maybe they don't want to hear from the CEO, but they want to hear from the person who invented the software or the product, right? So now to your point, what we do with companies is you have to have a common story and architecture. And this is where it's great to think of a company's story like a book. It has many chapters and many characters. And when different stories, aspects of the story, let's say, because think of the corporate story like a diamond. It has many, many facets. When the financial part of the story needs to be shared, it's a different storyteller than it is when you're talking about the quality of the service being delivered or maybe the ultimate vision for the company, which might come from the CEO. They all need to be on the same page, but they're not robots. They share the story from their perspective as a particular role player in the organization. Yeah, is this akin to finding an organization's why and then articulating it, Paul? Oh, absolutely. It really is. And, and you know, for uh, folks in the audience, check out Simon Sinek, uh, his original YouTube uh, talk, TED Talk from 2009 has tens of millions of views. 
called Start With Why, led him to write a book called Start With Why. He's written two more since that are really excellent reads. Our work, Dave, tracks very closely with that concept of people buy not what you do, but why you do it. And that is one of Cynic's biggest points. Yeah, and I, and I couldn't agree more. So somewhere in all of that storytelling and messaging and finding the why, um, the folks who are delivering the message out into the market have to be completely aligned with the corporate yes. why. And presumably that's why they're there in the first place. But uh, any advice exactly. for, the, for folks who are going out to a, uh, a sales call this afternoon and, and how to articulate their why and, and marry it with their corporate why to the extent that there may be any conflict underneath the surface? That's a great question, Dave. I have two uh, helpful suggestions for folks in the audience. Number one, there are fundamental stories about every organization. How was it founded? What's your, your greatest innovation or service? Think about that old hackneyed phrase. Oh, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread, right? What you're looking to do is identify a differentiator, right? And that's a story there. That's, that's truly what you're looking for is you're looking to understand uh, what's going to set you apart from your competitors. A lot of the fields that the, the audience is in, uh, you know, you're going to have competitors and there's going to be table stakes. If you're a lawyer or accountant, you have to be licensed, et cetera. And this is what's going to make a difference. Now, the second kind of a story that makes a difference is one where you're talking about somebody just like a prospect or just like, let's say, the person that, that, that you want to hire or partner with. You tell a little story, a success story that illustrates one of the differentiators for your business. Gotcha. Paul, for folks watching and listening who want to learn more about you or how to work with you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Word right, like what we speak and what we do on paper, pr.com is our website. If you go to wordrightpr.com forward slash storycrafting, the audience can get a free chapter of my book and get a little bit of a deeper dive into what we're talking about as well. Paul.fariga at wordrightpr.com. And Dave, I know you'll put some of this in the show notes as well. Yep, we will do. Uh, Paul, we've only got a, a couple of minutes to go here in this first segment. Call it two minutes just to, to give you a benchmark here. But before we go to break, I want to ask you about it, in, in using social media to articulate your story and, and creating that differentiation, what are some of the tips and tricks you might suggest on conveying that story through the social channels? Great question. Number one, consider the channel. So, for instance, YouTube, you can potentially tell a much longer longer story there than you certainly can on Twitter. Think of Twitter like a headline service. What's the headline for your story? Facebook and LinkedIn in their own ways, as a friend of mine uh, sometimes puts it, uh, LinkedIn is where the adults hang out on social media. So it's a professional audience. You're looking for engagement on LinkedIn and Facebook. If you think you belong on TikTok and Instagram, what you're looking for is great visuals. And if you got any kind of video, um, that's awesome. A lot of the businesses that we work with, that's not necessarily the first place people will look. But I hope that gives kind of an overview. Yeah, it does. Great stuff there, Paul. And on that, we're going to take a quick break. Paul, you sit tight. Uh, folks watching and listening, don't go anywhere. We will be right back on Behind the Numbers after this quick break. Let's go, Walter. Mm -hmm. 
Out to you. Walter, 12 o'clock. Come on, bud, you're scaring him. Walter, Walter. One evening as the sun went down and the jungle fire was burning. Okay, last one. I'm headed for a land that's far away beside the crystal fountain. So come with me, we'll go and see the big rock candy mountain. That is incredible. I know, right? It's the multi-flex tailgate. It can be a step, you can extend the bed, can even become a workspace. I met the cat. What's so great about him? He didn't have a workspace. He's a cat. <laughs> the Chevy Silverado with the available multi-flex tailgate. Walter, go get some firewood. Find new adventures. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today we're talking about how to tell your capital S story with Paul Fariga. Paul, welcome back for round two. Thanks, Dave. Great to be here with you and your audience. Appreciate it. Good stuff in the first segment. I want to continue on uh, a thread that you started at the end of that first segment where you talked about LinkedIn being the social platform for the adults. That's where the adults hang out. And there's, yes. um, I don't want to call it a controversy, but matter of discussion, if you will, about the appropriateness yes. of what I'll call Facebook-type posts, you know, the personal photos, the personal stories on LinkedIn. Uh, there's two schools of thought. One is, of course, the old school, this is LinkedIn, this isn't appropriate. And the new school of thought, I think, is that, hey, we're all trying to be more human and more relatable. What's your take and advice on that matter? Uh, that's a great question, Dave. And, and, and you know, I, I really saw this change a lot, and our team watches this closely. Um, we not only help people uncover and develop their story, but then we help them go out and share it. So we spend a lot of time on all the social platforms as well as doing traditional uh, PR and thought leadership white papers, et cetera. So what we saw happen during COVID, uh, in my estimation, is a reaction to that, is people did get a lot more personal on LinkedIn. Coincident with that, LinkedIn has been working hard to create aspects, features of the platform that mirror what's available on other social platforms. I don't know if it's keeping up with the Joneses or not, but an example would be Facebook Live has been around for a while, now you have LinkedIn Live. What we've seen with regard to becoming more human, if you will, on LinkedIn, political causes, uh, TMI, personal information, you know, too much information, tends to stratify your audience. And what I mean by, by that is it, your audience is here, and then people who don't necessarily agree with you may unfollow you or engage less while a smaller subset of your audience may become more endeared to you and stick with you more deeply. And the only thing I'd say about that, the right answer for any particular company or individual on LinkedIn is your own. Just think about what I said. Are, are you more interested in having deeper, uh, more real, quote-unquote, conversations with a smaller audience or are you interested in reaching a broader audience where your deep personal details and issue or political beliefs are not that important? Again, the right answer is going to be personal to the individual or the organization. But that, that's kind of the decision matrix. 
Yeah, no, I hear you. If, if it's if it's controversial, uh, you know, choose wisely because, like you said, you're going to alienate half the people. So, totally get that. Yeah. But it sounds like it's okay to otherwise uh, be more human on on these social platforms as appropriate. So that's good to hear. Absolutely. So, yeah. Paul. Yeah, by the way, just real quick, Dave. You yeah. know, the personal stuff. It's often easier to construct a good story by being personal, right? Yeah, it's you certainly. You have to think a little bit more if you're trying to. Yeah. Have a more pure business story sometimes. It's relatable and it's it's your story. So yeah, I could see where that's organic and you've got to capitalize on yes. that. So when we talk about conveying our stories, uh, I've got to think that it's it's a different message when you're selling to direct to consumer as opposed to going business to business. Uh, what's what, what's your take on uh, advice for folks who are crafting stories in each of those different silos? What what should they be thinking about differently there, Paul? Well, David, it really is a big, big difference. Uh, in the book, I, I talk about toothpaste. And uh, for audience, just picture in your mind walking down the aisle of your favorite uh, store and how many different types of toothpaste there are. You really can't figure out what the story is for each individual uh, flavor or brand of toothpaste, right? Uh, so there is a commoditization that a D2C company faces. And in the book, I, I describe uh, two companies that have done well to differentiate themselves. Tom's, which used to be Tom's Shoes, and Tom's of Maine, which began as a natural products company back in the 1970s. And most people know it for its organic toothpaste. If you've got a D2C brand, it's got to be more about why you do what you do, the bigger picture than the specific product. The product, let's just say, is a, is a table stake. Let's say you you have a sustainable product or service, right? Only people who are interested in sustainability are going to be interested in your product or service first. That's table stake. Then it's why you and your company rather than somebody else. Storytelling on the B2B end requires, uh, is actually more fun because um, you have to frequently educate Dave in order to get people to understand why you do what you do. Some years ago, we worked with a company that made uh, completely accurate fake nuclear medicine equipment. And it cost as much as real nuclear medicine equipment. But they had to tell the story and explain to a hospital or healthcare organization why they should spend the same amount of money for essentially dummy equipment for training purposes, right? And the reason is, if you want to train your people on live patients, potentially cause health problems and expose yourself to legal liability? Or do you want to put your people through training that is as realistic as possible and have them understand the intricacies of the machine so that they don't hurt anybody, right? So that's an example of a really complex story where having uh, a good story is both more engaging but also more necessary so that people understand the value of what you do. Yeah, Paul, for folks who want to know more about how they can craft their capital S story, how can they reach you? So I'll give you a couple of, uh, of answers there. One is our website, which is word, W-O-R-D, write, like what you do with a pen, PR.com. And if you go to wordwritepr.com forward slash story crafting, you will be able to get a free copy of a chapter from my book and learn more about our process and what we do. I can also be reached at paul.fariga at wordwritepr.com. 
Thanks, Paul. I uh, want to jump into, I'll call it a, a technical valuation question for you, if I might, Paul. So, you know, yes. in, in my day job, uh, we are valuing intellectual property and brands and trade names all day, every day. Uh, as a subset of that brand or trade name, underlying it is the story. Now, we're not teasing yes. that out and identifying it as a specific component of the intangible, but it's baked into that. Talk about the value of a company's story as it relates to its brand value, if you would. Well, this is critically important, and it's one of the financial reasons why uh, leaders in the audience shouldn't think of what we're talking about today as some sort of a foo-foo thing. Not only is there the science to demonstrate the power of storytelling, which I often say is the original communications medium, no, no batteries required, simply a brain and an imagination. But the, when it comes to valuing a company, when, when I got into PR business early on, even when I was a journalist, I was doing a lot of financial reporting and very surprised to find this item called goodwill on the balance sheet. As I dug into it more, I learned that the value of the story, or as some people would say, the brand was, as you pointed out, baked into the cake there, right? One of the best examples I've seen over the years, most people know the company Johnson & Johnson. And uh, some years ago, I remember a big story in the Wall Street Journal where competitor firms of J&J &J were complaining because by a strict financial performance, the company did not seem to the people quoted in the article to be worth what it was in terms of market cap, right? Well, what was the difference? The difference was this is the company that made baby powder for years that you know, powdered the bottoms of generations of kids and was, you know, Johnson Johnson and Johnson baby shampoo, uh, surviving the Tylenol scandal and all the goodwill that came from that. So that would be an example, Dave, of the value of, of the goodwill that comes from a great story and a great brand. It can quite literally have positive financial impact that goes beyond simple financial performance. Yep, Paul, we're coming close to the end here, but I want to sneak in one more question because at the beginning of the program, we talked about your capital S story as being beneficial for anyone attracting either customers or talent. And we spent a lot yes. of time talking about the attracting customers piece, but I do want to sneak in one last question about how your capital S story can be helpful in attracting talent, especially now you know, in this environment that we're going through in this era of the great resignation. Yeah, you know, uh, the great resignation or the great retention, whatever phase of this we're in right now, you know, the world has opened up for talent. They can work anywhere uh, with remote or hybrid working. The world has opened up for companies too, but I think most business leaders are focused on losing folks. What you really think about here is why should somebody come work for you? What's the story you want to share? And again, back to what I said earlier in the program today, Dave, your, your, your story is a diamond, right? So the facet that's attractive to the customers or the prospects is not the same facet necessarily that attracts talent. So you want to share the same story, but you want to give people a sense of why they should become part of your journey, why they should join your Tom Sawyer and paint the fence, why they should join a band leader and march in your parade. What's the bigger cause that you're enlisting them for? What research is showing in this crazy time is that what's, that's what really motivates people. Paul, unfortunately, we are out of time, but I want to thank you so much for sharing all your thoughts with us today on Behind the Numbers. 
Dave, it's been a great pleasure to be with you and your audience. Thank you for the opportunity to share the power of storytelling. My pleasure, our pleasure. Uh, we've been talking today with Paul Fariga, president at WordWrite and author of Finding Your Capital S Story. Uh, book's available everywhere. Make sure you check it out and grab your copy today and, and definitely connect with Paul if you want to learn more about how to craft your capital S story. Um, again, my name is Dave Bookbinder, and I am the one that my clients turn to when they want to know what their most important assets are worth. You can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, and I'm always happy to have a conversation with you. Uh, thank you for watching and listening. As always, we can't do it without you and your support. We always appreciate that. Do hit the subscribe button wherever you're watching and listening so that you can stay in touch with all that we're up to. And that's all I've got for you today, folks. So you all take care, stay well. We'll see you next time on Behind the Numbers. Thank <laughs> you.